today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Has there even been one time that it did not happen? Answer, no. Case closed. So stop asking me to water down, soften up, and change my message, because this is the message, and it's the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it's going to be the same thing when you get up tomorrow morning. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah was called on many times by King Zedekiah to bring good news concerning Judah's future. Through Pastor J.D.'s message, we learned that not only did Zedekiah not like the prophecy, but he hoped the message would change. Like him, sometimes we have to come to grips with what the Lord is telling us. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 38 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Man, I just, oh man, Jeremiah. Okay, first of all, at this point, Jeremiah is probably, well, actually about my age, 60 years old. But keep in mind that 60 years of age in that day was not like 60 years of age today. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) I mean, but in that day they had a lot of miles on them by the time they reached 60, if they reached 60. And you consider the rough and hard, and it was a hard life back then. And so you've got some miles on you by that time. And he's an older man now. He's not in his 20s anymore like he was when God first called him. So some 40 years has passed. Now why is this important? Because he's still getting beaten. I think of the Apostle Paul. I don't know, maybe this is, uh, I think it's good in a not so easy way for us to imagine with our God-given imagination. Can you imagine what the Apostle Paul looked like? I mean, his face was marred and scarred. You know how many times he had been beaten and stoned and whipped? I just picture him bearing the battle scars of Christ all over his body. I would venture to say that people would wince when they would see him. He just looked hideous. All of the years. How about the shipwrecks? You don't think that takes a toll on you? Now here we are with Jeremiah. Man, he's, had, he's been through so much. You don't come out of that unscathed, unscarred. So here he is as a, an elderly man, which that's another topic for another time. It is shameful that the elders, the elderly, are so mistreated in our day, so disrespected. We just want to put them away. You know how much wisdom is in those gray hairs? Again, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) So, first of all, he's an elder, he's an older man, and they're beating him. 
and punching him, and then they imprison him. We're going to see this in a little bit, but this is no ordinary prison. This is actually going to be a dungeon. And by the way, he's put in prison and left there to die. When Jeremiah, verse 16, entered, and here it is, the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? This is deja vu all over again. And Jeremiah said, there is. Oh man, he's getting his hopes up. Okay, what is it? Then Jeremiah said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. I love Jeremiah. So wait, just a minute, not, stay with me on this. Very important. If I'm Jeremiah, I totally wouldn't have done that. I mean, are you kidding me now? I'm 60 years old, okay? Really more like 80 in that day, if not more. I'm walking with a limp. I hurt all over, and I don't have any kind of pain reliever, (laughs) you know, over-the-counter pain reliever. I'm in constant pain. I can't sleep because of the pain. I'm still bleeding from the wounds, and it's horrible. And now the king has sent for me, and he's asking me, hey, secretly, privately, Jeremiah, uh, any, anything changed? He's hoping, he's hoping that Jeremiah's time in this empty pit of a dungeon would have had an attitude adjustment and would have changed his mind, and with his changed mind also changed his message. I would have been tempted, I have to confess, and you would have too, if you're honest with yourself and not (laughs) self-deceived. You'd have to admit, right, under those conditions, in that kind of a situation, I mean, I'd, I'd try to maybe see if I could somehow just kind of, you know, soften the blow, but not Jeremiah. He says, as a matter of fact, King, I do have a word from the Lord. (laughs) You're going to die. You're going to be delivered into the hand of the king. Here's the word I have for you. It's the same word. The word has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When are you going to get that through your thick skull, Zedekiah? I'm really angry at Zedekiah right now. Moreover, verse 18, Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, What offense have I committed against you, against your servants, or against this people that you have put me in prison? Question, verse 19, where now are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, the king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? Good question. Zedekiah, your false prophets have been contradicting me and the prophecies and the word of the Lord for all of these years. Have they ever one time been right? Not one time. Every time they opened their ugly mouths, that's mean, whatever, 
I'm still angry, I guess, but it's a righteous anger, of course, because pastors have righteous anger. But every time they open their mouths, their lying mouths, and they prophesy and say, no, Babylonians aren't, don't listen to Jeremiah. It's not going to happen. Has it ever not happened as they said even one time? Answer, no. Let me ask you another question, follow-up question if you don't mind. King, has what I've prophesied in the name of the Lord, has every single one, has every single time I've opened my mouth and spoken and prophesied in the name of the Lord God, has there even been one time that it did not happen? Answer, no. Case closed. So stop asking me to water down, soften up, and change my message, because this is the message, and it's the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it's going to be the same thing when you get up tomorrow morning. Now if you are going to insist, boy I'm really upset about if you're going to insist, Zedekiah, on continuing, and he's going to do this again by the way, just so you know, as we'll see. If you're going to insist on bringing me to you privately, hoping, hoping to hear something different, I can save you and I the time, and just tell you nothing's different. Verse 20. Now we're going to get real. And you got to really appreciate and respect and love this about Jeremiah. Therefore, please hear now, O Lord the King, please let my petition be accepted before you. And do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. I'm an old man, man. <laughs> then verse 21 Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison, and that they should give him daily a piece of bread from the Baker Street, which is what they would do. They would name the street after what it was, Church Street, Baker Street. That's where all the bakeries were, that's where all the churches were. So take him, don't send him back to that dungeon, that pit, that empty cistern. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Just take him to the court of the prison and go ahead and give him bread to eat, which means that heretofore he was not even given bread to eat, until all the bread in the city was gone. See, they're living on their reserve right now. Both food and water supply has been cut off by the Chaldeans, which was the strategy in that day. We talked about that. Very important takeaway from that, by the way. The way the enemy will take down a city is to cut off the water supply, and it's just a matter of time, because they're on their reserve water, their reserve food. They starve them out, and that's how they would capture them. And that's what the enemy does in our lives. He cuts off the water of God's Word, the water supply. And he also cuts off the food supply, the bread of life. And it's just a matter of time. And that's what they had done. And then we're told, thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. And this is how the chapter ends. 
with Zedekiah granting Jeremiah's request. But don't think for a second that this is done and granted out of compassion or mercy or empathy. It is not. Do you know why Zedekiah did this? So he wouldn't have the blood on his hands. He's trying here by doing this to distance himself as far as he can from Jeremiah's death being blamed on him. He doesn't want that on him. Now this is very applicable in our day, I'm sad to say, because there is distance between the death and the blame for the death. And you get enough of a separation between the two, and you cannot point the finger at the cause. He does not want the finger of blame pointed at him for Jeremiah's death. That's why he does this. That's why he's granting Jeremiah this. Now, chapter 38, verse 1. Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Melchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, verse 2, imagine as I read this, and you follow along, this is done with a mocking and ridiculing toned a scorn, a disdain in their voice. Thus says the Lord, he who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence, but he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore, verse 4, the princess said to the king, please let this man be put to death. And here's why. Listen. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in this city, and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. He's not good for morale. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. I mean, I don't even know where to start on this one. Well, let's just jump in. This is wrong on every level. The accusation is false. This false accusation and plot to kill the prophet is because he prophesies doom and gloom. And it's really starting to bring down the morale of those that are still fighting against the Chaldeans. Oh, they're still fighting against the Chaldeans? Well, why are you still fighting against the Chaldeans? Do you want to, do you have a death wish? Why aren't you surrendering to the Chaldeans? You're fighting to save your life. You're going to lose your life. You lose your life and surrender, you'll save your life. That's the principle. So that's one of many problems here. But the overarching problem is that 
They wanted to silence this prophet because they did not want to hear what he would have to say, speaking such words to them. We need to shut him up once and for all. And here's the thing, King. Jeremiah is not concerned about the welfare of the people. The opposite is true. He seeks instead to harm them, to, if you prefer, scare them, discourage them, weaken them. I mean, I don't know how it's even possible to get any further from the polar opposite of the truth. What Jeremiah was prophesying as doom and gloom as it was, and needed to be, I might add, was actually their only hope. See, they were falsely accusing Jeremiah of preaching this message of doom and gloom, and no hope. The opposite's true. The doom and gloom is, this is coming, and if you want any hope, your only hope of getting out of this is the Word of God, and in our case, the rapture of the church. So Judah, you're, you think Jeremiah has been doing these prophecy updates for all these years to scare you. No, it's to prepare you for the hope of restoration, according to the word of the Lord. It's the exact opposite. I I remember, one, one real quick thing here, but I remember when we had first moved here and I started doing the prophecy updates, it's been, uh, I don't know how many years now, 17 years? More? Anyway, I would get interviewed and I was asked, uh, you know, sometimes on a TV broadcast or radio broadcast, I was asked, you know, when you, when you talk about Bible prophecy, you give people hope, right? Because synonymous with Bible prophecy is doom, gloom, fire, brimstone, judgment, death, burning the city. And I've always been taken back by that insinuation and even accusation, because it is wrong on every level. Because the implication is that when you talk about Bible prophecy, you are not going to encourage people and give people hope. And that is exactly what teaching Bible prophecy does. It's our only hope. Jeremiah is saying, listen, if you want hope, your only hope is this, and and be encouraged. And they're accusing him and wanting to kill him. Then, verse 5, Zedekiah, the king said, look, he is in your hand. I mean, Zedekiah is probably just sitting back going, yes, because when he sought for Jeremiah and asked Jeremiah privately, hey, is there anything changed? Can you, is there any word from the Lord? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, Zedekiah, you're going to die. Nothing changed. So he then didn't want Jeremiah's death on him. And so what does he do here? This is a perfect 
opportunity for him to once again wash his hands of Jeremiah's death. Look, he is in your hand. Whatever you do, it's not on me. For the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And look at this detail. They let Jeremiah down with ropes. Wow. Wait, why didn't they just throw him down there to his death? He's already weak, frail, old, injured. Why did they lower him down with the ropes? Answer, they wanted him to suffer a slow, brutal, cruel, agonizing death. And if they would have thrown Jeremiah in that empty cistern, which had been once filled with water that has run out now because it had been cut off, And all that remained in there, as we'll see in a moment, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. It's just an empty cistern, very deep, very cold, very dark, and full of mud. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. So that way now they can wash their hands of Jeremiah's death. If they would have thrown him in there, then they would have been responsible for killing him. No, we didn't kill him. We just lowered him down, you know, because we're so merciful (laughs) with ropes. And he died in the dungeon, as everyone dies in the dungeon, so you can't blame us. Now, (laughs) there's something else here real quick. This cowering and acquiescing to condemning and killing an innocent man is reminiscent of Pilate, who would do the same to the God-man. I find no fault in this man. And he tried to wash his hands of it, and like Zedekiah, (laughs) in a grander and greater way, obviously, sought to distance himself from the death of Jesus on the cross, so that he could washes. So he he put it on the Jews so that he could somehow not have the blame for Christ's death laid at his feet or on his hands. I love how one commentator noted this, and I probably should be careful here because I'll get angry at Zedekiah again. I've just calmed down. So, But this guy is a weasel, man. He is a weak weasel. And I'll find a couple more W words if I can that aren't bad, but uh, maybe you can help me out. But this guy, what a coward. What a weak man. He's not even a man. He's a mouse. One commentator said, he has no backbone. He has a wishbone. <laughs> you know, he wishes, he hopes. Okay, yeah, he, he's all, whatever you guys do, that's fine. He's in your hand. I mean, I can say nothing. You know, I can do nothing against you. And I wash my hands of this. Go ahead, do whatever you're going to do. It's not on me. It's going to get worse, by the way. Now, verse 7. We're going to be introduced to this amazing guy. Ebed Melech. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. To be true, to be true.